We've been talking for a few weeks about this idea of follow, and um, we've talked about the, the, the word in the context of Jesus when he uh, first came to earth and how many people uh, followed him and what that looked like to be a follower of Jesus. And this word follow, uh, it appears a lot in the Bible, in the New Testament, but we use it a lot nowadays, don't we? It's actually a very uh, topical word right now, especially if you have any presence in any kind of social media. Because on social media, it's all about who you're following, isn't it? It's like, oh, I want to be friends with this person. I want to follow this person. Uh, sometimes you get notifications to say that this person wants to follow you. Uh, maybe you'll get a notification that says, hey, this person, uh, this person on your friends list is following the same thing you're following. Uh, you might be watching the Panthers play football from the comfort of your couch on a Facebook video, and it says, hey, this other person who's a friend of yours, someone else who you follow is also watching the game tonight. So we get all these notifications of, of who's following who. And um, in the celebrity world, I mean, they have millions of followers. You can probably look up your favorite uh, celebrity and see just how many people follow them. But um, the drawback is that when it comes to, to following in the context of social media, uh, the fact that you can follow while others can follow you, you know what that means, don't you? It means you can be unfollowed. Yeah, it means that you can unfollow others. From time to time, Twitter will do this. They'll have a big purge, a big cleanup, and they'll get rid of all these fake accounts and all these, uh, they call them bots, you know, just these fake accounts. And these celebrities, they'll wake up one morning and just discover that um, in overnight, they've got a, a million less followers. Devastating. Now they've only got 26 million instead of 27 million. I mean, it must be so, so hard for them. Do you ever go through your social media feed and think, you know, I probably shouldn't be following this person? What, what is it that triggers you uh, when, you're, when you're following someone to be like, I really need to stop following this person? Maybe it's like, if they, if they post one more picture of their cat, I'm out of here. That's it. I am unfollowing or their dog or their lunch or their vacation, whatever it might be. And you're like, I just cannot look at any more of those pictures. Maybe it's their um, political persuasion. Sometimes you can have someone on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and you're like, I really should unfollow this person because they keep posting this and it's very different to what I believe. And um, I mean, you could always try obviously commenting and trying to share what you believe and that always works really well on Facebook, I've found, you know, to have that discussion right there. Um, very often I'll hear people say, thank you for posting that meme. Uh, you've completely changed my whole political ideology. Thank you very much. That's, that swayed me completely. <laughs> Maybe you should unfollow. Um, for me, it's actually quite easy when it comes to unfollowing on social media because uh, every year this happens. Uh, once a year, there's an event called the American Country Music Awards. So the next morning, it's super easy because I'll just look and friends are like, I watched the Country Music Awards last night. Unfollow. Uh, Trace Adkins, he's brilliant. Unfollow. Casey Musgraves, she was awesome. She's not even country. Definitely unfollow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Giving you a hard time. I would never unfollow you for your taste in music. And I use the word music very loosely there. But, um, but when it comes to unfollowing, when we look back to Jesus' time, we're going to discover this morning, and actually in this series, follow, this is the very last week of the series, the last um, time we're going to talk about this idea of following. So I thought it would be really good to, to wrap it up and talk about this because we're going to learn that back in Jesus' time, he had many followers Many people who, who just love to see what he did and love to hear him teach. But there came this point where some who began following clicked the unfollow button. 
decided, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that I can follow anymore. We're actually going to look at a story this morning that took place uh, in the New Testament. But more than that, we're going to look at our own lives and say, do I see any of me in this particular account? Do I see any of these challenges in my life? You see, as we've been talking about follow, we've been talking about um, those, those first people that follow Jesus. How he made it so easy. He said, just come, follow me, fishermen, tax collectors. We discovered that the longer they followed him, the more their lives started to change. Followers became leaders. People could see that they were followers of Jesus by the way they loved other people. It was a great experience to be a follower of Jesus. But then we also saw that the longer they followed, the harder it became. That there actually was a cost to following Jesus. We learned a couple of weeks ago that salvation is free. It costs us nothing. But we learned that following Jesus will eventually cost us something. That sometimes you come to that fork in the road and you know that Jesus is teaching this, but you really want to do this. You know that Jesus is kind of leading you this way, but you really want to go this way. And there's that tension because that, that cost suddenly presents itself. And that's exactly what happens in the account that we're going to look at this morning. It's found in John chapter 6, and it happened right after one of the most famous miracles that Jesus ever did. I say famous because I'm sure it's famous in his day. I'm pretty sure that every one of you this morning, whether you grew up going to church or not, will be familiar with this particular story. Because it was a time when, when 5,000 people came to hear Jesus speak and teach. And the middle of his teaching, they realized that they, he, they'd been there so long that it was too late to go back and get food. Jesus performed this amazing miracle where he took just five loaves and two fish. And he prayed and he started to break them up and to pass them around. And, and miraculously, 5,000 people that day were fed from just two small fish and five loaves. It was an incredible event. And, and we read right after that that um, Jesus' disciples, at the, following this miracle, they got into a boat and they went across a lake to a city on the other side called Capernaum. Jesus stayed alone for a while to pray, and then nighttime came, and he decided to follow them across to the other side. They'd already taken the boat, so he just followed on by foot across the lake. The next morning, the crowds wake up, and Jesus and the disciples are gone. And they're like, hey, we liked that fish and loaves thing. Where'd that guy go? We, we, we want to get some more of that. We want to experience some more of that. I think someone posted on Facebook that Jesus was now in Capernaum. So then the crowds got wind of it and they all made their way around to the other side of the lake. And when they got there, they were so excited to see Jesus. But Jesus kind of realized that maybe their motivations to come find him weren't completely pure, weren't completely unselfish. So listen to what he said in John chapter 6, verse 24. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? We're so pleased to see you. We've come all the way across the lake. Now, Jesus knows that they're in it for themselves. He's not stupid. 
So listen to how he answers them in verse 26. He says, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, but not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. He sees right through them, doesn't he? He says, you're not here to hear about what I'm teaching, what I'm preaching, the challenges I'm bringing. You're just here for some more bread and sardines. You liked that free lunch yesterday? You'd like another free lunch today? He sees their motives. He understands. So he, he uses this as an, uh, an opportunity to explain more of who he is and why he's there. He wants these, these crowds to fully understand it's more than just miracles or magic tricks, as you may think. It's more than this. There's so much more than me just healing and, and doing miracles. There's a greater purpose to why I'm here. He tries to explain to them that purpose in verse 35. I am the bread of life. You're here looking for bread and sandwiches. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me, and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Now, this is incredibly important, what Jesus has just said to them. He says, I am the bread of life. So he's talking about bread, but he's totally turning it here to talk about himself. And he's using this phrase, I am the bread of life. Now this was, John wants to make sure that you understood this, because this is one of seven different times that Jesus used this phrase, I am. I am the gate, I am the door. He, he used this phrase different times, and the reason it was important is because I am was a phrase that was associated with God. Jesus was trying to explain to them who he was. He's more than just a guy who, who can multiply fish and loaves. He is the son of God. There's a, there's a divinity connection here. I am, I am the bread of life. But it's just wasted on the crowds. They, they completely miss the importance of this occasion. In fact, listen to what they say. They, they miss the whole idea of Jesus trying to explain who he was. And in verse 41 we read, At this, the Jews there, they began to grumble about it because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? They totally miss his bread metaphor, his life metaphor. All they hear him say is, I came down from heaven. They're like, came down from heaven? We know your mom and dad. We know Mary. We know Joseph. My kid played t-ball with you when you were younger. What's all this I came down from heaven stuff? <laughs> Jesus is trying to explain to these people the, the, the importance and the power of who he is. And they miss it completely. And I love this, this next part, because instead of kind of dumbing it down and trying to explain to them, he, he kind of ups the ante a little bit. He wants them to fully understand, listen, it's more than just miracles. It's more than just bread and fish. I have an incredibly important mission here. You want to hear about bread? Let me explain who I am. And listen to what he says in verse 53. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Wow. At that point, the parents are kind of pushing the kids back a bit, going, okay, kids, back away from the guy. He's talking about eating flesh, drinking blood. We liked the miracles. Now it's getting weird. It's kind of freaking me out a little bit. They don't understand it because they don't understand who Jesus is. This is a metaphor. He's not trying to say that they should literally eat his flesh and drink his blood. Some people think this is a reference to communion, but he hasn't even talked about communion yet. That comes um, years later in his ministry. He's simply trying to use this bread to say, listen, you're here because you're hungry for some more bread because I fed you yesterday, but I am the bread. You have to eat of me, drink of me, but, but if you do, you will never go hungry again. I am the bread of life. But this was too much for some of those people who were just in it for what they could get out of it. And listen to what happened next. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They unfollowed Jesus. Now, I wish I had more time this morning because I would explain in greater detail what Jesus was trying to explain to them because um, you can't just throw out, eat my flesh and drink my blood and then just ignore it and keep moving on. I mean, this is pretty deep what Jesus is talking about. I'll I'll read you this short paragraph I found in a a biblical commentary that I came across this week that kind of sums up what Jesus was trying to communicate in that moment. It says that Jesus was using body and blood to represent everything needed to sustain and support life. Because that's what we are, body and blood. Our lives will be supported so completely that we never will hunger or thirst. Our spiritual lives will be sustained so completely that they will endure until Jesus raises us up on the last day. We are to go to Jesus and to him alone for all the resources and the strength we need to live our new lives. We can rely only on our Lord. I love that short summary there because it's kind of trying to explain what Jesus was trying to get across here. That that all of our sustenance, everything we need can be found in Jesus himself. There are many here this morning who have followed Jesus for um, um, a long time. And they would tell you, I can tell you out of my own relationship with Jesus that he has provided for me in so many ways. He has given me the peace and the security and the love and and even provided for me physically with a job and a family and a house. And and I just see Jesus at work in my life. When I eat bread, I'm going to be hungry again. But but Jesus, he's, he's never left me unsatisfied. He always gives me exactly what I need. This is what Jesus is trying to communicate in this moment. But to some of the crowd, with their consumeristic mindset, it was too much. And they decided that they wanted to no longer follow him. So sad to read that. The crowds of people who saw Jesus in the flesh made the decision not to follow him anymore. And it's sad to me because 2,000 years later, I think there are still people who either have chosen not to follow Jesus at all or Sadly still have made the decision to follow Jesus, but are now questioning whether they want to continue following Jesus. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Because maybe you'll discover as we talk about this that you're in one of these situations this morning. 
I came up with three words. They all begin with the letter T to try and come up with some modern day, some, some examples of what it might be in our lives today that would cause us to question whether we want to continue to follow Jesus. Those three words are transition, trials, and temptations. Transition, trials, and temptations. So what do I mean by that? Well, the first one, transition. What I've learned in my life and what I've learned um, getting to know other people is that there come these, these times in their life of transition. It might be for a student, you know, a, a young person who kind of graduates high school and now they're going to college. Maybe they're leaving college to go into the workforce. Maybe there's a transition into a new relationship, transition into a new career. It could even be as simple as a transition to a new neighborhood. But what happens during that transition is you find yourself in a new place and in this new place... You start to question some of the things about Jesus from before. Maybe if you're a high schooler going to college, you're now um, hearing professors talk about some things, and it's causing you to question, well, how much of this was because my mom and dad told me, and how much of it is because of what I believed? And, and this transition, it starts to throw doubts into our mind. And the danger is that those doubts can actually lead us to a point of saying, you know, I'm not so sure about this anymore. This Jesus thing, I think I might just need to unfollow. Let me challenge you this morning. If you're in a period of transition or doubts or unanswered questions, just because you don't have an answer to a question doesn't mean that there is no answer. If you're on a journey of faith this morning, you find yourself in a place where you don't have an answer to a question, that doesn't mean there is no answer. Please don't abandon your roots. Don't abandon your faith. Don't abandon your following of Jesus simply because you face a tough challenge, a tough question. It was so sad earlier this year. Um, there's a very famous worship leader. He's tied in with an organization called Hillsong. Has a huge following around the world. Has uh, been very influential in worship music. I was incredibly sad to see earlier this year he posted on Instagram um, basically just his, his statement of why he is unfollowing Jesus. It's a big, long article, big, long passage that he wrote about all these questions he's got and these doubts that have come up and, and different things. And, and as a result of all of those, he's chosen to unfollow. It was sad for a few reasons. Sad because so many people had put this person on a pedestal so you know it would impact their faith. But sad because, and I wonder if we at the church are guilty of this, that we've created this place where because he had questions and because he had doubts and because he had unanswered questions, the solution was simply to unfollow. Have we created an environment where you're either all in and you figured it all out or you're not? What if there was a safe space where, where he could wrestle some of these things without having to completely unfollow? What if there was a safe space where he could talk to people and people would say, you know, I'm not sure that I can give you the answer to that question. I've got that same question myself. And I'm not sure that we're going to get all of these questions answered this side of eternity. But I'm still choosing to follow. I'm still choosing to hang in there despite at times my doubts. You see, if you look back over the last couple of thousand years of church history, you'll find many, many incredibly wonderful church leaders and men and women and followers of Jesus who are doing incredible things in the kingdom of God. But as you read their biographies and you read their stories, you find out that some of them wrestled with some things. 
Some of them wrestled with some doubts. Some of them wrestled with some unanswered questions. And, and some of them tell the story of how they came through that and they, they found the answer they were looking for. And some of them came through and their, their doubts were resolved. But some went to their grave with that same doubt and those same struggles. And yet still chose to follow Jesus in the meantime. I mean, think about it. Jesus spent three years with 12 individuals, 12 disciples. I mean, you can't get much closer than that. One of his closest friends, one of his closest followers after Jesus died, and the news came back that he'd risen again, said, I'm not sure that I believe that. His name was Thomas. He, he earns the nickname Doubting Thomas because after three years, he still had doubts. Jesus didn't appear to Thomas and say, "Ah, sorry, buddy, I am here. You're out. You had doubts. These guys, they didn't doubt, but you doubted, so you're out of the gang. I think Jesus wants to meet us in our doubts and help us in those transitional times. Hang in there. This actually may make you stronger in your faith as you come through this. But you may find it's not going to happen overnight. The second idea I had was trials. I think trials are one of those things that, that can shake us, can cause us to question whether we want to continue following Jesus or not. What do I mean by trials? I'm talking about that, that situation with, with your health. That situation with that loss, that situation with the work situation or the, the financial um, place you find yourself, the struggles. And it's not so much the difficult times you're going through. It's when you're going through those times and you're crying out to God and you're praying to God and it just feels like your words are bouncing off the ceiling. You feel like you're in a place saying, God, where are you? I, I, this is what I needed you the most and it feels like you're not even there. It can be trials like that that can cause us to say, God, I'm sorry, but I really needed you and I felt like you weren't there. Unfollow. I wish I could take you and, and introduce you to some people who have been through some difficult times in their life. Been through some of the greatest trials, but have chosen to continue to follow Jesus, even in the midst of the pain and the hurt and the suffering. Because I think they would tell you that when we came through this, when we came out on the other side, and when we looked in the rearview mirror back at what we'd come out of, we actually got to see something of Jesus and God that we never saw in the moment. I never saw it in the midst of that pain, but as I look back, I could see how he was right there with me, carrying me through. If I could see that I'm a different person because I went through that, I would never choose to go through that. But I'm so glad that Jesus has, has made me who I am as a result of that. I'm so glad that in the middle of that trial, I didn't push unfollow. I love that song we sang earlier this morning, Justin, let us in, and great words. The, you know, sometimes I feel like, man, I don't even have to preach. Just the words of that song are a good enough message just for this morning. But that last part he sang, even when I don't see it, you're working. I think some of you who are in trials right now, who are even considering the unfollow option, even when you don't see it, I believe he's working. I honestly believe that sometimes he's at work when even we don't see it with our flesh eyes. Temptations. The last T that can cause us to, to struggle sometimes is temptations. It's just life. 
It's just being a part of life and following Jesus and realizing that, man, this, the cost of following Jesus has taken me in a different direction. Jesus, I want to follow you, but, but I've also got this option over here. Jesus, I want to follow you, but, but at work, if I do this, it's a bit of a shortcut and it's not completely ethical or legal, but if I do this, the reward is great and it's going to be hard to do both. Jesus, I want to follow you, but you require that I forgive this person and I just don't know that I can. I, want to, I don't want to lose that bitterness and that hate. It kind of fuels me and my feelings towards them and, and I'm tempted, Jesus, to just unfollow you and stick with this. Those temptations come. Temptations, trials, transition. We get to that point, don't we, where we're faced with doing the right thing and following Jesus. They're not mutually compatible and we have to make a decision. Sorry, doing the wrong thing and following Jesus. And I want us to do the right thing and follow Jesus. Let's jump back to John here. And see what happens. I said earlier, didn't I, that many of his disciples said this is too hard and they unfollowed him. Well, John uses the word disciples to describe many people that followed Jesus. But there were, there were 12 disciples, the apostles that we're very familiar with, were the closest followers of Jesus. And now Jesus turns to them. He sees the crowd walking away because the teaching is too hard. And he turns to the remaining 12. He says in verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the twelve. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter recognizes something here. He's like, Jesus, where would we go? Because if we don't follow you, that means we have to follow someone else. If I, Jesus, if I back away from you, then I'm backing into someone else. And to whom shall we go? We've seen you. Jesus, it wasn't that long ago that I was catching fish. And you've taken me and transformed my life. And I've seen some incredible things happen. And where shall I go? Shall I just go back and catch fish again? Yes, this is hard. Yes, we followed you thinking that you were going to lead us one way. That you were going to be the king. And we were going to overthrow the Romans. And it was going to be this great celebration. And we'd all be in positions of power. And the more we follow you, the more we've realized this is actually going in a different direction. This actually may end up costing us. This actually may end up costing our lives. Which in Peter's case, it did. But I think if Peter was here this morning, he would say to you and me, I would rather live for something than die for nothing. I would rather live for something because I've seen it than unfollow and die for nothing. Peter understood it. Peter said, yes, it's hard. I get it. I understand why they're walking away. It's difficult. But where would we go? We've seen you. We've experienced you. You alone have the words of eternal life. And Maybe you're in that moment this morning. Maybe you're here and there's a trial or a temptation. You're in a transitional time and something is causing you to question whether this is where you want to be, whether you've got enough energy, whether you've got what it takes to continue to follow Jesus, you're considering pressing the unfollow button. But let me challenge you with this thought this morning. There will always, always, always be questions. 
And that's absolutely fine. But it's a mistake, I think, to step away from Jesus simply because there are questions that you don't yet have the answers to. Just because you don't have the answer doesn't mean there's not an answer. It just means you haven't got it yet. So some of us, it might be a fresh resolve to say, Jesus, I want to continue to follow you. Even when it's difficult, I don't want to unfollow. I don't want to turn away. Eight weeks we've been talking in this series on follow. We've talked about all sorts of different aspects, but I just felt like I really needed to finish off with this idea of unfollow because I think for many of us, we face that challenge at times. To whom should we go? Jesus, you alone have the words of eternal life. Throughout this series, if you're just visiting this morning, if it's your first time here, we've, we've really tried to be talking here over these last few weeks to, to three individual groups of people. The first group of people is those who are on the outside looking in. You might be here this morning, you've, you've grown up around church, you're familiar with the things of Jesus, but, but you're still not sure if you're ready to commit to this idea of following Jesus. You're still not sure if you're ready to go all in and say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be the center of my life. I want to go where he leads me. I hope and pray, as we've been talking about this idea of following, that, that maybe you've been tempted through this series to say, well, I, this terrifies me. I have no idea what this will lead to, but I think I want to at least take that first step. I want to at least say, yeah, I want to follow you, Jesus, and see where it leads. I hope for some of you the, the follow series has been enough to get you off the bench and into the game. Maybe you're here this morning and you said, well, it's been a great series. I am a follower of Jesus, so I'm okay. None of this really applies to me. In fact, Dave, you've been talking this morning about trials and temptations and um, transition. I've got none of that going on right now. Well, can I just throw out a little challenge here? Maybe the reason you've got none of that going on right now is because you've kind of settled down a little bit and Jesus said, hey, follow me. And he's way off up in front and you're still back here somewhere. He's like, hey, follow me. And you're like, well, oh, Jesus, I'm here, right? I said I would follow you, so I'm, I'm on board. But if I go too far with you, things are going to get difficult. There's going to be some challenges. And yes, yes, there is. But that's what it means to follow Jesus. It means that every day things are changing, that we, that we get to look in the mirror and we don't recognize the person we see looking back at us. Because in following Jesus day by day, he's transforming our lives. Our lives are changing. We're a different person than who we were last week, last month, last year. But sometimes those changes, they're difficult. Because it requires him stripping away some of the stuff that's in our lives. Some of the stuff that needs to go. That can be painful. That can be hard. I hope through this series that some of you have been willing to say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I want to be an active follower of Jesus. I want to pursue him. I want to go wherever he leads me, even if it leads me to a place of, of transition and change. And then finally, if for any reason you're here this morning, and as a follower of Jesus, you've considered the unfollow button. For whatever reason, pain, doubts, disillusionment, discomfort. I want to assure you this morning that Jesus is right there with you. And I know it may not feel like it at times, but I promise you, he, he's promised us he would never leave us or forsake us. He is right there with us. What do the words of the song say? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when you don't see him, he's there with you working. Please don't unfollow. Press in, commit to go a little bit longer.
you may just discover as you press through this that as you come out the other side that Jesus is, was not only with you, he was actually using this situation to make you stronger, to make you a better husband, a better wife, a better grandparent, a better employee, whatever it is. But he's, he's changing you, making you more like him. You could unfollow, but where would we go? Where would we go? He alone has the words of eternal life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. This, this series, the idea behind this teaching over the last few weeks has been simply because you, when you walked this earth, went up to fishermen and tax collectors and said, follow me. And 2,000 years later, you are still speaking to us this morning, saying, would you follow me? Lord, if there are any here this morning who have yet to make a decision, give them the courage today to say, Jesus, I'm not ready to just dive in the deep end, but I'm ready to step in, to get my toes wet, to, to follow you, to begin this journey and see where it leads. And for those of us, Lord, who are already in, who are following you, help us to continue on deeper and deeper into our relationship with you. And if any questions are coming up that are causing us to maybe step back or even worse, step out, Help us, Lord, to continue to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.